Hello, it is so great to see everyone and kick off this live 2233 event. This is only the second time we've done this, and by far the largest audience that we've done this in front of, but we are confident that with the guests like the ones we have today, we cannot go wrong. So, from downtown Washington, D.C., you're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. I'm Christopher Wurst, the director of the Collaboratory, the senior advisor for innovation at the Bureau for Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. And I'm Anna Maria Sinatina, program designer in the Collaboratory and frequent contributor to 2233. This podcast's name comes from Title 22, Chapter 33 of the U.S. Code, which is the legal statute that created ECA. Our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. On today's unique live episode, we'll hear from three inspiring teachers that participated in the Fulbright Foreign Language Teaching Assistant Program. Sponsored by ECA, the Fulbright FLTA program is designed to develop Americans' knowledge of foreign cultures and languages by supporting teaching assistantships in over 30 languages at hundreds of U.S. institutions of higher education. The program offers educators from over 50 countries the opportunity to develop their professional skills and to gain firsthand knowledge of the U.S., its culture, and its people. Today's guests represent teachers from India, the Philippines, and Jordan. A quick word about 2233. We in ECA believe that international exchange programs are transformative in people's lives, not only for the participants, but for those who they meet on their journey. We also believe in the power of human stories. So our goal is to reflect the profound impact of ECA exchanges, one powerful story at a time. Today, we are truly privileged to hear three such stories. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. Hello and welcome. Can you begin by telling us your name, where you're from, and where you were placed during your Fulbright year? My name is Madri Kakoti. I'm from India, and I was placed at NYU during my cultural exchange, New York University. So what were your expectations before you arrived? What did you expect? Well, it's New York City. You expect what you expect when it's New York City. I expected everything. I expected new friends, new passions, uh, new understanding of the world, new understanding of myself, new understanding of the language that I was going to teach. Uh, I expected to learn more about my culture. I expected to learn more about the U.S. culture. Um, and yeah, all of those dreams did come true. So, 
You, an- you just answered my next question, which was, <laughs> were your expectations met? Yes, they were, actually. Uh, as far as my uh, teaching is concerned, as far as my subject and uh, the understanding of my subject was concerned, I, in, fact, it, uh, in fact, my exchange met more than my expectations because when I, when I came, I, dis- I discovered that I had to unlearn a number of things in order to learn what the experience was teaching me. And there were certain things that we are used to doing, and as teachers, uh, especially as Indian teachers, we are not used to being told that you are wrong in this, or in, in this instance, or you're wrong in that instance. Uh, so I, and personally also, I'm not used to being told that I'm wrong. So yes, this, the university and uh, the, way my, the way my course was designed and, way, and the way I interacted with my students, the way I interacted with my primary advisor and the secondary advisors, both of them, in fact, they, I made, they made me see the fault in a number of ways in which I was working and I was able to change that for the better, so much so that when I went back home, uh, I could see where I was going wrong and I made special efforts to change those things, not just in the curriculum, but also in the pedagogy that I was following. So did you ever feel particularly foreign, especially at the beginning of the program? No, because spe- specifically because uh, it's New York City. There are so many people who look like me, who do not look like me. So it's like... like it's a kaleidoscope of people. It's, it's a group of people so different from each other that together we make more sense than separate. Like all these foreign elements, together they make more sense than just one element. So New York City actually really helped me understand that even though I might look different, I might sound different, uh, I'm not really that much different from anybody else in the world. And if I can, if I want to, I can make a space for myself in that big, huge, crowded city, I still can make a space for myself, even though I'm different. So as far as being foreign is concerned, no, I did not, because I also lived in an area, I lived in Queens, in Jackson Heights, and everyone, I saw people from everywhere around, and specifically from India, there were a lot of people uh, living in Jackson Heights from India, and in fact, there's a very interesting story, because the first day, I, uh, I took the subway and I was walking through the streets of Jackson Heights, just getting to know, my, know the streets where I'm in. I'm in Roosevelt Avenue, I'm walking, and I suddenly hear this music in the background. I'm walking and it's, there's music in the background, and it, it happened completely like a Bollywood film. There was wind blowing and it touched my face and the music behind me was the music from Veer Zara, a, a movie that is a Shah Rukh Khan movie. Everybody knows Shah Rukh Khan. So, yeah. And it was as if Shah Rukh Khan, <laughs> it was as if Shah Rukh Khan is standing like in his typical, the typical image of Shah Rukh Khan is him standing in the middle of a mustard field and uh, there are yellow flowers everywhere and he has his hands out and that is what exactly I felt that as of New York City is my Shah Rukh and he, New York City is standing with its hands out because that's why I'm walking the steps, I'm walking um, the Roosevelt, in Roosevelt Avenue and this is the music behind me and I felt home it, it, for, from day one, it never felt as if I stepped outside of uh, India. I somewhere that was good, somewhere that was that helped me, and somewhere maybe I don't know. I I don't see any negative sides to that. It never I never felt that I was in a foreign land. Did you begin singing and dancing to the soundtrack <laughs> of your life? I wanted to, I wanted to, but it was basically just a background music. So uh, yeah, it, it felt like uh, it felt good. 
So you mentioned that there were a lot of things that you had to unlearn, but did you have any assumptions? Did you come to the U.S. with any assumptions that were proved wrong? Oh, yes. Um, I had this assumption that students in the U.S., um, they do very little studying and a lot of partying because the movies that we see usually give that kind of a, that kind of a, that kind of a vibe and that kind of a picture, that kind of an image. So I thought that there would be a lot of partying going on and not the students won't be much interested in what uh, I'm teaching and specifically also because it is a language subject and it's not, it's not really, uh, the students won't be really interested in learning Hindi. But I was proven very, very wrong because from the day one itself, they were extremely interested in what I was saying, what uh, is being taught and this was an elective so they had actually chosen to be there and then gradually throughout my exchange program we realized i realized how hard working these students were because one of the students was a psychology major and she was uh, i think she was a pre med because that's what psychology majors are so she was already uh, she was already shadowing a psychiatrist and she was she was she had 18 hours of our day packed with classes, with uh, TA ships that she was doing, with um, shadowing this particular doctor that she was, and she was coming to my classes, which were three days a week. And then she had tutorials because she was not able to understand some of the things. So she would spend extra time with me. So it's not just her. I found students like her in every semester. There were law students who came for um, Hindi classes. Uh, and there were people who were doing extra work that like they were not getting any credit for that kind of work but they were still doing it so i was extremely surprised at the amount of hard work that american students have actually do they, they actually put in and how serious they are about about everything about the curriculum about if it's about something is if something is in the syllabus or not about their grades and they would argue come and argue because for us if when we were students, if we get a bad grade, that was the end of the story. There was no way you could argue with the teacher or, they would, or you would even tell them that you have made a mistake, you should be giving me more marks and probably that would land us with a letter to our parents that your son or daughter is disrespectful and asking for more marks. But uh, yeah, I saw that that was one major assumption, assumption which, was, which was proven wrong. And the second one is time management. I had an assumption that time would be, that concept of time would be as flexible in India, uh, in America as it is in India. So I, I can tell you a very short story that the day, the first, one of the first days when we joined the university, the, the department threw like a welcome party for us. And me and my Pakistani roommate, she was the Pakistani FLT for Urdu, both of us were invited. And it was not basically for us, but for the new students of the uh, department, the new TAs in the department, the different departments, etc. And some of the, some, someone had some new, someone new had joined the administrator, administration as well. So for everyone, it was a welcome party and it was at six. So we got ready, we uh, got dressed up and then we took some photos and we reached the venue by seven. And by seven, everything was over. Not just the food, people were also gone. So it was almost like we were late to our own party and my supervisor had stayed back specifically to tell me that this is not done. So day one, we had this welcome party and day one, I do that. So yes, I knew on from the, that, day, that moment itself that I have to be more 
conscious about time and it's not as flexible and it's not, not as stretchable as Indian standard time is. Can you tell me about a time when you felt very inspired during your program? Oh, uh, during our exchange, I, I felt inspired, in fact, from the day, from the orientation itself. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself when I say that from day one, from day one. But it is true that that is actually what happened because during our orientation, I met a few students and it was eye-opening that something like, some, some students like, like situations like that can have happened in, in lives of people and they have come out of this. For example, I met uh, an, uh, one of the FLTAs, she, she was from Mexico, and uh, she had come out of an abusive relationship to be in the program. In fact, her husband had told, us, told her that if you apply for this, then I'm leaving. She had three kids. And she decided that she's going to, for this program because it is better for her life. It, it will be better for her kids. So it was important for her. So that's why she decided, no, I'm going. So she applied for it. So to have come out such kind of relationships, she inspired me. Then I met Alexandra. Alexandra was from um, Belgium. And she spoke seven languages. And I was astounded by the fact that how can, and not just seven languages, seven, seven languages of the world. She spoke Russian, she spoke Spanish, she spoke Portuguese, she spoke German, and uh, some other three more languages. Of course, she spoke English. And she was speaking to every FLTA she met in their language. And I was so surprised and I was so amazed and impressed. And I was like, why am I not like her? But yeah, so I was, so the inspiration continues. It's, it's just it's something, it's a program where you inspire, you find inspiration almost everywhere. What is something that you learned about yourself during your FLTA year? That I'm adaptable. I never thought I would be as adaptable as uh, I turned out to be. I have a notion that I am very strict and uh, very single-minded, or not single-minded, but very adamant about my approach towards life and uh, I know what I think and I know what, I, what my opinions are about certain things and I don't want to change them. But uh, this program, it made me realize that I have that ab the ability to listen to somebody, to uh, respect somebody else's, it taught me actually to respect somebody else's opinion because I saw that my opinions were also being respected despite the fact that they might be different from somebody else's. And I was able to, for example, if I, I would disagree with my primary supervisor about uh, a particular item in the class, about a particular way this particular thing is being taught, I could tell her and she would respect my opinion and she she would see if that there was if there was any position or if there was any any way we could reach a common ground. So that kind of effort to make uh, things possible between people to make communication easier, I never thought that that would be possible for me because it's for me it was either in my way or the highway. But now it's different. Now I, I think that's something that I have discovered about myself. I hope is, it's good. <laughs> is there something that you learned about India being outside of India? Being outside of India, learning about India. I think, yeah, because when you are outside, you, you, you take certain things for granted. You complain a lot about your country, that this is not good, this is not correct, and this is, uh, oh, we are so lazy, oh, we are so dirty, etc., etc. But outside, you tend to see that there are always silver linings to certain things, and you do miss 
your country. You do not just your people, but you do miss the environment, the culture that you are in. And, and specifically because we are cultural ambassadors to uh, America, we have to kind of show the best, best side of our country. And doing that, you realize, oh, this is the best side of my country. And you understand that there are so many different things about your country that's beautiful. I realize that my people are extremely hospitable. We like hospital, we like having guests. And even though I am not much of a social butterfly, but I still liked having people over. I still liked having them introduced to my culture, my food. In fact, I learned cooking in the US. I had never been inside a kitchen before that. But in the US, necessity is the mother of invention. I had to cook because the stipend was not much. So we had to cook our food instead of eating outside every day. No, I'm joking. Uh, the, we had to cook our food. We wanted to cook our food. Uh, and I did, that's why I had to learn. Uh, so yeah, and I, had, I could. <laughs> yeah. I hear you guys. I think everyone just congratulated you on learning how to cook your own meals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you tell me about a person that really made an impact on you during your exchange and someone that you, you won't ever forget? Oh, that's, that's hands down my supervisor. She is uh, Gabriela Nikilieva, and she's an exceptionally strong woman. Uh, she she uh, has a degree in Indology, and she studied Indian culture, she studied Indian language, and she has excellent um, language skills, and she, knows, she also knows like nine, ten different languages. And uh, she's, she's just amazing. She's like this ball of energy, which is always constantly working. And I look at her, and I think that when I grow up, and when I am my level of success would be to be more like her. Like I would measure my success by thinking how much of Gabriella is in me, how much of Gabriella, G, uh, Gabriella do I have I been able to incorporate in my life. She is. Um, she ha she would work throughout the day, and I have never seen her. And she was so 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 uh, not worried, but she was so conscious about the things that she would do in her life. To, uh, as examples uh, that that would be able that we would that would, she would set for in front of others. For example, she would recycle. Uh, she never used uh, coffee cups, or she never ate in places that don't recycle. And uh, so that was, I think, her her uh, adamance about these things. They made me realize that no, there are certain issues that you do not take lightly, that the certain issues that you have to think about, that you have to take a stand. So her entire worldview and the way she conducted her classes, the way she conducted her life, everything was extremely inspiring to me. And I have learned so much from her. And I hope to learn so much from her because we have been in touch for the past, fa past five years. In fact, I'm meeting her in two weeks as well. She's coming to India. So you've been back for five years now. Mm -hmm. um, what have you done since returning to India to keep the momentum of the FLTA program going and to continue to practice what you've learned? Uh, so in the, in the last five years, I have been able to, uh, because of Gabriela and because of my association with her, I have been able to teach uh, online uh, at the University of the Keene University's master's program in Urdu Hindi pedagogy. I have been able to teach uh, two courses, uh, I designed two courses and taught one of them for one semester. On, that was an online thing. I did it from home. Then I have been able to um, 
design modules for the StarTalk program. StarTalk is the uh, the federal government's program uh, for language like language teaching initiatives. Um, that I have been able to do. I have been able to co-found not not co-found, co-found with my father, uh, a, a, an organization which specifically helps students, helps children in underprivileged backgrounds to help to get the education that they need. Right now, we are we have designed an English English language program for students, for kids in that particular underprivileged area, which happens to be my village, my ancestral village. They do not have access to good uh, schools. They do not have access to good um, English uh, teachers. So I'm trying to take it to them. It is. It has been in the process for the past two or three years. This year, we are starting with the English program for the past three years. We have awarded students uh, who have excelled in their academics, and we have helped them find education opportunities outside the village at better institutions. That's great. That's amazing. It sounds like you've made quite an impact at home and in your home community. What do you think is the biggest impact you've had on your U.S. host um, university? Oh, the U.S. host university? I was part of a few... I, I don't know. I, had, I haven't really thought about it in that way. But I would like to think that I participated in a number of things and probably brought my side, my culture to, to it. For example, I'm a very big Harry Potter fan. So my NYU, <laughs> so NYU has a Quidditch team. And I made it a point to join the Quidditch team. It's actually very silly. They run around. We ran around with, uh, with the poles like stuck between our legs but it was very funny and um, yeah we so we won a few tournaments like there are people who play quidditch in other universities as well and i also joined the <laughs> i also joined their taekwondo team so and i did and i did win two of the tournaments in which i participated so i have a 2-0 i have an unbeaten record in as far as taekwondo is concerned um, i also won my thank you I also won my blue belt uh, in Taekwondo in, at NYU, I, as in I gave my exams, uh, the, my blue belt exams at NYU, and then my black belt exams back at home. But yeah, that's the thing. So the, I think that I would, I have contributed to the sports fraternity. Other than that, I also worked with the magazines, the uh, fashion magazine which NYU has, and um, I was also a part of the Asian community in NYU, and we organized Diwali, and we organized fashion shows, and Bollywood nights, and yeah, things like that. So I, I would like to think that I have contributed, yes. I know you've been anticipating this question, and we're going <laughs> to end with this one, but um, what song do you hear that immediately brings you back to your FLTA year and your time in New York? Um, the song that brings me back is uh, Taylor Swift's Welcome to New York because it has these beautiful lines in the middle which go like, uh, like every, every real love, it keeps you guessing. Like every true love, it's ever-changing. Like, like every great love, it drives you crazy. So I think these lines, they encapsulate the essence and passion that New York has and the, the love that I have for that beautiful, beautiful city. Great. Well, thank you so much, Madri. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're going to start the same way. Can you tell me your name, where you're from, and where you were placed on your FLTA? Hi, Chris. I'm Anito Ramos Librando Jr. 
I'm an English teacher in the Philippines, and I was assigned at Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, Illinois. And you told me that this was the first time that you had been to the United States. So I want you to, to go back to the weeks that were leading up to this exchange and maybe even the airplane ride over to the United States. Tell me what the expectations you had of the United States were. Well, yeah, it was, a, it was quite a long flight we had from, from, Manila, uh, from Manila to uh, Narita in Japan. And then, of course, that long flight from Japan to, uh, to the USA. And uh, I had a lot of uh, expectations, actually. Uh, one of them was really I found it very challenging because I'm a high school teacher. And being an FLTA required me to be a teacher for college students. And so I think I had to make some adjustment and ask people how it works there. And the second one is, of course, it's going to be something that was exciting because I'm going to spend an entire nine months in the USA and something that, uh, because I thought of really, of course, I have to come back to the Philippines and continue my teaching. So I took that opportunity of being in the USA to really explore and you know, enjoy and have fun and really find it very exciting. What did you think DeKalb, Illinois was going to be like? Well, it's very different from the Philippines. You'd have mountains, and then, of course, you'd have the ocean. But there, it was all corn, and it was all flat land. <laughs> so that was really a different, uh, it was a different uh, topography. And you always, and, you know, it, it's, a, it's a different experience to be in DeKalb. But interestingly enough, it's because uh, NIU is a community there, and so it's also like some of our uh, public universities in the Philippines where it's open, right? And, uh, you know, there are, there are dorms and there are also housing for faculty. So something like that. There are some similarities to that. What, what were some of the assumptions that you had that were proved wrong? I really thought of, of being alone in the task of being an FLTA and being able to do all of it without help from others because I thought that, that people might not be, be polite enough to help me. And then I realized that if you just ask or you just, you know, if you are able to email somebody and people are very open and helpful and that was, a, that was something that I thought that, that wouldn't happen. So, of course, everybody would have that feeling, especially if you don't have your transportation and people would be emailing you. This was in 2009, and they would be emailing you and then saying, like, uh, we're going to this place and that place, and would you like to come? So something about planning, about your day with the help of others is something that I appreciated from there. Tell me what it was like to feel, or maybe you didn't, but... You came from the Philippines, you landed in Tikal, Illinois. It was very different than what you were used to. Did you feel foreign? Well, the concept of space was a bit foreign for me. Like, of course, there were highways that were, there were no people in the highways, right? Like, in the Philippines, the people crossed the highways. And then, of course, you have, um, uh, of course, the, the buildings and the spaces, it's very different from what we have. Uh, and, of course, uh, there's the, also that notion of the personal space, like the people that you interact with. Uh, of course, in the Philippines, we're, we, 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 you know, we kiss, we hug, we're very, uh, uh, we're very sociable with people, and we, we, we always make sure that everybody's uh, comfortable or, or okay. But of course, there are different ways how it is here, and I, I actually learned and appreciated that 
the end. Can you think of a time when you really confronted your comfort zone and you really kind of crashed through your comfort zone? Yeah, I'm not very I'm not very fond of small talk because that's something that I, I I'm more of an introvert I guess and uh, when people approach me that's the only time I get to talk and that's something that I've also appreciated and learned and something that I also tried to overcome because uh, here you have to make sure that you're able to also express yourself and your opinions and if you don't tell them that. You, they don't expect to, uh, or, you know, they don't. You don't expect them to actually uh, listen to what your head is, right? Or what's on your head. So you have to express that. You have to tell people what you feel, or tell people uh, what your thoughts are, what your opinions are. Was it difficult? Yes, it is. Uh, and and, and, it's, and until now, it's still a struggle because it's something that I. I uh, although I'm a teacher and I, I, I've always been very vocal and approachable to teach to my students in class, but you know, in a very personal level, I, I keep things to myself. So I think that's something that I had to. It's a struggle that I had to do and uh, really overcome. So uh, I'm a former teacher, and I remember how nervous I used to be every year before the very first day when you get in front of your class. And I imagine it's the same for all teachers, but I can't imagine how difficult it must be to come from a completely different culture, a different place. Tell me about your first day. Yes, what I remember was my teacher giving me the, the, the numerical keys to our laboratory. And she said, and she said like, if something goes wrong with pressing those buttons, the police will come. So make sure you, you press the right buttons and then you close it and you open. That's how the security is in those laboratories. So I've always had that. I was about very anxious in my first time with, uh, with my students because I, they would say like, are you sure you know the, the, the numbers to that, <laughs> to that keypad? Like, okay, I, I, I think I can do this now. And well, there was another thing that happened because we had an, an incident where a student had, like, I think he collapsed or something. And this was my first time to really have like paramedics in the classroom. And then they would say like, you have to step out of the classroom and then all of that. So that was like, wow, this is, this is really happening in your classrooms here. That's pretty intense. <laughs> Can you think of a time in your classroom when you really felt like you were making a connection? that you were getting through to your students? Well, I think most of us here in FLTAs, uh, we, are we always prepare for cultural nights. And I think this is something that uh, I, I also looked forward to. And we did two, actually. And the first one was we did an Anklung performance. So that was uh, like a Christmas lullaby. And we presented it to all the Southeast Asian participants and you know the, the students and the community from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies. And they really enjoyed that. And uh, although it was just one song with all that instruments, having students, having to train the students to have that smooth, seamless performance was, was something that uh, was a connection with them beyond class hours because we did the practices after, uh, after class. And then on the, the next semester, we did we already did the song, so the second semester we did a dance, which is the Sayaw Sabanko, which was literally a dance on benches. So they, nobody fell, for, unfortunately nobody fell, and you know, they were all dancing and they were, they had applaud, they were applauded for their dance. So that was something that uh, was, I was really proud of that because they were able to accomplish that. And I was also there, I was in the center so that they would all follow. <laughs> 
You said you're, the word pride. So I wanted to ask you about that. Can you think of a moment during your exchange when you felt particularly proud of something? Well, it was actually this uh, conference. I, I was in my, in my mid-year uh, conference, and I was one of the presenters. And, of course, the presenters here felt, of course, like butterflies in their stomachs, but I really felt very proud to represent not only my country, but also... Uh, our university, because we were presenting uh, f with uh, what we were doing in our uh, in our university, what we were teaching. So that was something that I was really proud of, and I wish my parents were were able to, you know, my friends uh, were able to see that also, because it was also my first time to be uh, in an international conference, being a part of the FLTA. So uh, it also helped me be more confident in speaking in front of people and sharing my ideas and attending and participating in international conferences. When you think back on your time at Northern Illinois, uh, can you think of a, a specific time when you said to yourself, I wish my friends or family back home could see me right now? Well, aside from the experience from the um, FLTA, uh, I've always, uh, sometimes there, there are parts where you get to, to be on your own, so you wish that they were there, and I have felt uh, the love and support of the Filipino community that is in uh, Northern Illinois. We have uh, a few, I mean, a lot of uh, Filipinos who are working, who are studying, and, I've, and I wish, I really wish that my family and friends were also there with me because I really enjoyed uh, having dinners. You know, we, we always had things to take home, and interestingly enough, my fellow FLTAs would always wait for me to come back to the dorm because I always bought food from all of these gatherings, and uh, they, they enjoy that food. So I wish I could have shared that moment also with my family and friends. And, but interestingly enough, um, I've, uh, they, because it was, this is for 2009, and I used social media to post pictures. So my, my sisters and my, my family at home uh, were able to see where I was and what I was doing. So that was something that was very significant also. I want to talk a little bit about the ripple effects of your FLTA. Uh, Imagine that you were back in the Philippines and you never participated in this program. What, what wouldn't exist? Yes, uh, I think it's all about the network and the connections that I was able to do. When I was, in NI, when I was at NIU in 2009, there was a program, which was the Philippine Youth Leadership Program. It was, I think it was still in its seventh year. And in its run, and there were young Filipino le youth leaders that were flown from Mindanao to the to NIU and have a leadership training. And back then, I was just a volunteer, so I because I, uh, I, I was able to uh, lead them in their excursions, be in their discussions, and you know, being being their elder brother because we are all, we're Filipinos and. Um, they were there, and of course, these are young kids. And with that, uh, when I, we came back, I get re I got reunited with them. And these young kids, they were they were amazing because years after that, I was working with them. I was working with them in creating projects, in creating uh, uh, coming up with 
programs from funding from the U.S. Embassy because they're also U.S. grantee alumni. And that sparked a, an idea for me to really focus, of course, in helping youth in their leadership because until now, you know, even if I'm older than they are, we work as if we're really professionals and now they're, they're, they're very successful. And interestingly enough, my professor, uh, after a few years, invited us, uh, me and other FLTAs, if we could be the in-country coordinators. So this time around, we were the ones uh, inviting, um, screening these young leaders in Mindanao and to give them that opportunity, just like me, just like any Fulbrighter FLTAs, to have, a, it's a, actually a shorter course, like it's a six-week course, but it has changed them and um, changed them for the better and made them better leaders for Mindanao in the Philippines and something that, I'm, that I've considered also as an advocacy. So it's been a decade since your exchange. Do you feel like you came out of the exchange more optimistic than you were when you looked to the future? Yes, definitely. Uh, one of my advocacies is really on teacher training. And uh, I've been inspired by a lot of my professors in NIU. And until now, I'm working with uh, teachers in making sure that they're able to adapt, adapt to a new technologies and, new, and, of course, new ways or methodologies in teaching. And being part of the community of FLTAs, I think more and more, F, there, there's, a need, there's a really a need to have more and more FLTAs in order to have that better understanding of, of our own culture in the Philippines, at the same time being able to share that experience to students in the United States. Okay, Anito, this, this question wasn't, we didn't talk about this before. But this is something we do in the studio that we have sometimes. But we'll ask somebody that we're interviewing to close their eyes. It's tough to do in front of 400 people, but I will warn you if anyone makes any quick moves. And tell me, when you think of DeKalb, Illinois, in 2009, what do you see? Well, I see a lot of corn fields. And then, of course, the windmills, or rather the wind turbines. I can see that. And, of course, there's that welcoming sign uh, right across uh, the, 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 the highway that says Northern Illinois University, and then there's that castle in, DeKalb, uh, in uh, the campus at the center. And that's a very beautiful NIU campus there. I can see it. Beautiful. You can open your eyes. Now you're really, really... <laughs> Now you're really, really hungry. It's 2009 and you're in DeKalb, Illinois. What are you going to go eat? Before then? Well, there's, there, there's always Panda Express. <laughs> and there's, uh, there's uh, Japanese and then, of course, uh, other restaurants in, in town. And they're very accessible. So now we're going to talk about what you hear. So, but we're going to frame it like this. Um, imagine you're back in the Philippines now and you're fiddling around on your car radio dial, and a song comes on, and it takes you right back to that time. What, what's the song? That was 2009, so it's definitely Mighty Cyrus' party in the USA. <laughs> I, f I forget. How does that go? Uh, I'll try to go for the lyrics, <laughs> and I think everybody can like wave their hands, right? <laughs> 
Okay, everybody now. So I put my hands up. They're playing my song. The butterflies fly away. Woo! I'm nodding my head like, yeah. Moving my heads like, yeah. So I got my hands up. They're playing my song. They're flying. It's going to be okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a party in the USA. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a party in the USA. And we have our episode title. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anita. You're welcome. Same question. Can you tell us your name, where you're from, and where you were placed during your FLTA? Um, my name is Hiba Ahmed, and I'm from Jordan, from Amman. I was placed at Hobart and William Smith Colleges in upstate New York. Same thing. You are preparing to come to the United States. What are your expectations? What's your vision of what you're coming into before you got here? Well, I mean, this is a bit difficult because for me, when I applied for the FLTA grant, I already had my PhD and a lot of people were questioning my decision to go abroad to teach Arabic in the US. You know, you're an English teacher, you already have a job at university, what are you doing, like, going over there to teach Arabic? But for me, I knew this would reflect positively on my teaching skills on my degree because uh, I'm an assistant professor of English literature and I do focus on American literature in my classes. So I knew that being here and you know living with Americans, experiencing the culture firsthand would um, give me um, a new sense of understanding of uh, the texts that I'm teaching to my students. So I did expect a lot positively in that sense. I did not know exactly how this would affect me, but I knew it would be a very positive experience. And I remember the minute the, f the plane landed and I just walked out and I had this feeling and it was like, this is it. This is when my life is going to turn around. I just didn't know how, but I knew that it was going to be great. And so far it's been the best thing I've ever done. I don't regret it. Not a single minute. <laughs> I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some moments when you realize that, yes, I'm really in a different culture. People do things different. Maybe they think differently. Well, um, there, there isn't much that I found strange or like I couldn't understand or I found foreign in that sense. But uh, having said that, I mean, I've said this earlier today, I did have problems adjusting to the weather in Geneva. It was super cold for me. And the first time I kind of noticed that people were, were kind of a bit looking at me sideways was when I started wearing my coat and my boots in October. And they were like, what are you doing? Where are you from? Now we know that you're not from here. So um, uh, that was like an instant or like a moment or in which I felt that things are different a bit. But otherwise, people were very welcoming and the students were very uh, warm and... Um, I felt at home. I mean, I didn't really experience any uh, difficulties in that sense. I've enjoyed every minute. I was happy I was here. And um, 
I had great friendships with people around me, even with the FLTAs as well that we were with. It was just great. So it sounds like you really, you kind of got into the swing of things right away. What was, do you think that there was a particular aspect of your um, personality or your outlook or your willingness to try new things? What was it that you think well, made you succeed? Yeah, I think this was the year, the, the year that I did my FLTA was the year in which I felt like I have to do more and I have to get out of my comfort zone a bit more. And I have... Um, my roommate, the German FLTA, to thank for this because she was so full of life and uh, she was very passionate about everything around us and she would make a point of dragging me out of my room every single day and be like, okay, we're only here for one year. I'm going to do this today. I'm not going to do this alone. You're coming with me whether you like it or not. So uh, she kind of pushed me and gave me that attitude as well. And we did things together, and yes, so the willingness to try new things and meet new people and do different things every day was there, and it did definitely uh, impact my experience positively. Can you think of a time when you did something that was particularly not something you would do at home, but fit right in in your new culture? Um, I mean, I can't really think of... Oh, yeah, I do remember this thing. Uh, I remember when I first came to Geneva, um, we didn't really know what to expect. We knew it was more like a college town. Uh, I did look up some information on um, the internet and it said that it's a city, but it's like too small. It's like a large town. People are not sure why they call it a city. So we didn't really know what we would do there. And then uh, we also learned that a lot of the elderly retire in Geneva. So one night we were just walking out and we saw these flyers and apparently they had Geneva night outs where basically people just hang out by the lake and they dance and they sing and they just share food and you know, they have a good time. And so we went there and I was surprised to see these elderly people singing and dancing and there was a moment in which I felt that okay, these people are living their life to the fullest and they're like double my age, so I have to do it too. And you know, I'm not usually the type of person who would just like dance around or be chatting with everyone. Um, so we did that. We actually, I went there and this, there was this old man who just was like, you know, yeah, you okay? And I said, yes, I am. I said, but don't you dance with me? And I just got up and I danced with him. And that was something that I would never do back home. I never, imagine myself doing it. But I enjoyed the moment, and I think that's when I learned that um, you only live once, and you should just try your best to enjoy life when you can. I absolutely agree, that's fantastic. Hiba, you mentioned that your roommate often dragged you out the door and forced you to do things with her. Can you think of a time when you took initiative and when you were the one that had an idea and took the lead on doing something um, during your exchange? Uh, well, yeah. Well, in terms of these activities, I do remember I'm the one who asked her to plan a trip to New York City. So we actually did this on Columbus Day. We went ahead and we... Uh, um, Went there, we enjoyed uh, the, uh, the city, and we attended the, um, uh, the celebrations that were happening in the streets and so on. But 
in other terms, like in, in a different respect, um, on campus, I was, I was not the first Arabic FLTA, but uh, there was no Arabic department. Uh, the Arabic classes were part of uh, the political science department. So when I wanted to start teaching, I did not really find anything that I can use. I did not know uh, what my students learned in earlier classes. There were barely any syllabi available. So I took it upon myself to um, you know, prepare a material that would make it easier for the next FLTA to know what I've been doing and maybe provide resources that they could use on campus. Uh, I discovered, for example, that there, were, there weren't enough resources, not because the campus was not willing to provide it, but I guess people probably never really asked for them. So I did uh, uh, bring in DVDs and CDs from movie nights. I left them at the library. I also bought several books and I left them there for other uh, FLTAs to use and for the students to use as well. Yeah. Can you think about a time when you felt very proud to represent your country and to be an ambassador for Jordan? Well, um, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but um, Jordan is a very small country in a war-torn area with all the political turmoil. It's just Jordanians suffer a lot. And there were a couple of instances in which I got to talk about um, Syrian refugees as well as other refugees in, in Jordan. And um, I felt very proud of my people for being able to provide uh, host communities for uh, war-torn countries and people who were running away from struggles. And despite the difficulties that we ourselves go through, uh, we managed to you know, share whatever we have and we try to make life easier for other people. So I was extremely proud of sharing that about my country and uh, reminding people that this is not an easy thing to do but that my country, despite being small and despite not having enough resources, uh, was doing its best and it was paying it forward uh, to the world, kind of, anyway. Kind of along that same note, um, talking about kindness and being received and welcomed into a community. Um, can you think of a particular time when you felt very welcomed and the beneficiary of someone's kindness? Well, you know, being here, because it's brought to mind, like asking this question brings to mind this answer because we're here today with 400 other FLTAs. Uh, four years ago, when we had the Mid-Year Conference, uh, the third day, the last day, was my birthday. And so um, I was up in my room and I went, I went downstairs uh, to have breakfast. The minute I walked in, all 400 FLTAs started singing happy birthday and they all came up to me and they gave me hugs and kisses and so on. And we kind of in a way celebrated my birthday throughout the day. Uh, we went out for lunch on that day and then we had the farewell uh, dinner and the dance and uh, all of it was people were continuously celebrating my birthday with me that day. So that was one thing that I would never forget. Also, um, uh, there was a, like, one of the employees on campus, her office was next to mine, 
And she was extremely nice. I would always walk in and talk to her. Her name was Sue Campbell. And um, one day we were just, I mean, this is really funny, but we were just talking about food and candy and chocolate and things like that. And I was complaining. I was like, you know, I don't understand how I can't find flavored Tootsie Rolls in Jordan, but I can't find them in the US. It just didn't make sense to me. And uh, a couple of days after that, she brought me a huge bag of flavored Tootsie Rolls, and then she got me peanut butter cups, and she got me everything she knew that I liked. And she always told me that I was the same age as her son, and that whatever she gets her son, when he comes home, she brings me some of it too. So um, uh, these are things that I will never forget. Is it your birthday today by any chance? Well, it was two days ago. Oh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, we can all sing. <laughs> I love singing. Yeah. I, I want you to now think about um, kind of post-exchange and life back in Jordan mm -hmm. and talk about some of the ripple effects. Um, what, what have you been able to do because you were on the exchange? Well, um, I, I mean, if I think about this, I think about a lot of things, uh, but it mainly has to do with teaching and my students. Um, I was able to, I mean, when I was at HWS, I was very grateful because I was one of the top 10 liberal arts colleges in the US. So what I saw on campus was completely different, like the, the, the very untraditional teaching methodologies that I witnessed and that I picked and took back home with me and tried to employ. I mean, it's not easy when you go back to a very traditional setting and try to introduce something different, but I tried. I uh, was in charge of the English club at uh, the English department back home, and I managed to get my students involved in a variety of activities that were inspired by the type of activities that I witnessed here, from community service, to uh, learning in, uh, like outside the classroom. Um, I saw a lot of students develop and um, advance their English and become more interested and more focused in their studies because they felt that they can achieve more than just grades and exams and papers and things like that. This, this is something that uh, I loved doing for two years. I also uh, worked with a lot of students because we don't really have an official counseling center on campus. Um, we don't really give big emphasis to mental health support to students. And when I was in the US, I really appreciated this. And I thought that this is something that we needed back home. And I remembered, I thought uh, of myself when I was a student and I never found anyone to talk to uh, so I became a certified mental health supporter when I was at HWS, and going back home, I made my best to provide that kind of support for my students, and I still have students who contact me on a daily basis despite having graduated and thanking me for the time that I gave them, that I listened to them, that I tried to help them out. Um, so these are like a couple of things, and the Last thing that I always am proud of is that because I did this experience, because I was in this exchange, and because I got to experience the benefits or the positives of being in another culture and meeting other people and how it changed me positively, I want my students to experience that. So ever since I got back home, I kept in touch with the Fulbright Commission back home and with the US Embassy, 
And every year I organize events on campus that would promote uh, these different grants. And I would sit with my students and would I explain to them the process and what they have to do, what to expect, how they can maybe uh, increase their chances of getting accepted. And I was just telling them this morning that one of my students actually uh, just made it. She was uh, nominated for an FLTA grant next year and she's very excited and I'm so happy for her. <laughs> so you just kind of, with that, you just kind of answered my next question. Yeah. But I think you make a really good point about, uh, you, you pick up things that are really impressionable um, and then you go back home and it's not, you can't just automatically bring all of these new things yes. into a new society, yes. but you can, you can make incremental yes. movements. It's like gradual change. If you just impact one student, that student is going to try and implement that in other ways and they would try to inspire another person. And so like the change you make with one person is actually a change that continues. So... For, like, I think that everyone should bear that in mind. And even if you manage to create something or like leave an impact, don't think of it as little because you don't really know how far it would go along. So, so I, think that's, I think that's very well said. Are you hopeful? With that in mind, are you hopeful when you look yes. into the future at home? Yes. Uh, I believe that, I mean, I try to encourage my students to apply for all sorts of exchange programs because I do believe um, that getting to meet other people and getting to know more about other cultures and other people would just uh, give you more insight about the world and it would make you a better person. You would become more understanding. You would become more... Uh, um, uh, empathetic with other people and that's when actually things change it's when you have the ability to talk and you want to listen was when people kind of in a way get together and uh, things change for the better hopefully <laughs> Thank you. so if I ask you to close your eyes mm -hmm. and think about your time in the United States what, what do you see Oh, I see Seneca Lake, that's right across from campus, and the boathouse, and uh, the purple sunsets. Like, Geneva had the most beautiful sunsets I have ever seen. I've never seen a sky as beautiful as, as in Geneva, specifically. No. And if you turn on the radio back home, what's the song <laughs> that's going to take you back to the United well, States? Well, the song that would take me back is Cake by the Ocean. I don't know if you guys know it. But uh, there's a funny story to it. So me and Yvonne were driving to Pennsylvania. We were meeting a number of FLTAs over there. And uh, while driving there, it's about five, a five hours drive. And every time we try to switch these channels, it's just cake by the ocean would come up. And then it came up 25 times. And so we just kept kidding about finding the time to eat cake by the ocean. I mean, the song was actually telling you to do it. But eventually we settled with burritos by the lake on the last day we were there. <laughs> that was the B-side. Yeah, I mean, burritos and cake, so both are good. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Hiba, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Very, very, very special thanks uh, today to Madri, Anito, and Hiba for sharing their stories. 
We want to thank all of our ECA colleagues on the Fulbright team and the Fulbright team at the Institute for International in Education, IIE, for their support in making this event possible today. Thanks for listening to 2233. For more about the Fulbright program and other ECA exchanges, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233 and leave us a nice review, please. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, feel free to write to us at the collaboratory, ECA collaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Thank you. Thank you all very much. <laughs>